if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to The New Chemist. We're glad you're listening. Feel free to download this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Here on The New Chemist, we discuss chemistry, which simply put is a science of change, as well as careers, community research, and COVID-19. We're happy you're tuning in. My guest today is Dr. Todd Golub. Thanks for joining me today. It is good to hear from you. Just briefly, I'll inform my audience about you. Dr. Todd Golub is a founding core member of the Broad Institute of Harvard and MIT and serves as the Institute's Chief Scientific Officer and Director of its Cancer Program. He is also the director of the Gerstner Center for Cancer Diagnostics at the Broad Institute. He joined the faculty at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute at Harvard Medical School in 1997. At the same time, he served as the leader of cancer genomics at the Whitehead Institute and MIT Center for Genome Research, which evolved into the cancer program at the Broad Institute, which he has directed since 2004. Dr. Golub is currently the Charles A. Dana investigator in human cancer genetics at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute and professor of pediatrics at Harvard Medical School. He is the recipient of multiple awards, including the Erasmus Hematology Award, the Richard and Hinda Rosenthal Memorial Award, and the Outstanding Achievement Award from the American Association for Cancer Research, the Paul Marx Prize for Cancer Research, the E. Med Johnson Award from the Society for Pediatric Research, and the Judson Darlin Prize for Outstanding Achievement in Clinical Investigation from the American Philosophical Society. Dr. Golub has served in the Scientific Advisory Board of numerous organizations, including serving as Chair of St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital and the Board of Scientific Advisors of the National Cancer Institute. Please welcome Dr. Todd. Okay, Dr. Golub, thanks for joining me today. It is good to have you on. So, um, given all your responsibilities and accomplishments, I thought um, it would be good to have you as a guest on this podcast, uh, serving at one of the leading institutes at Harvard and MIT. Um, so my first question for you is, what have been your longstanding interests in the field of science? Well, first, David, it's it's great to participate in your podcast. It's great that you're that you're doing this, and I'm happy to be here. So I I um, you know have had a longstanding interest in this interface between medicine and basic science, and that just continues to get more and more interesting as 
more opportunities for translating what we're learning in basic science labs into the clinic are um, availing themselves. It's just really an exciting, uh, exciting time for an opportunity to have real impact of science on patients. Okay, yeah, that's good. That's good. So along with that, in that same realm, um, my question to you is, you know, given all your responsibilities and accomplishments, how do you maintain view of the bigger picture in your career and in your life in general? Like, how do you see the forests um, amidst the trees? How do you see like the entire periodic table, even though you have to deal with different elements or whatever the case may be, how do you see or maintain view of the bigger picture, especially when you face obstacles and challenges? Um, I, I think getting this balance right of the, the big picture and the focused uh, details is the most important thing in science and the hardest at the same time uh, to do. My view is that the big picture is super critical um, because you need the big view of where you're going and why you're bothering to go there because otherwise, you know, what's the point of, of um, you know, a particular experiment if it's not taking you someplace you want to go, whether that's a concrete goal of um, trying to cure some disease like cancer that I'm particularly interested in, or if you're trying to go down the path of unfettered discovery to discover something that's fundamentally new. Um, having the big picture is critical. How do you do that? I'm not sure I have a recipe, um, except that the question that I like to ask myself and members of my lab all the time is, let's imagine that the experiment that you're planning now were to be as successful as you hope it will be. Okay. Will it make a difference? And will people care? In my view, the, the worst possible experiment or project is one that's successful in the narrow sense, but nobody cares, nobody pays attention to it, doesn't really move the needle, doesn't impact the field. And so there we shouldn't be so excited about a project that is, you know, successful in some way, but doesn't really advance the field. I'd rather strike out and not be successful on a really important project that has the potential to matter than do something that just doesn't make any difference. So I think trying to keep that eye on the ball on the big problem you're trying to solve and not be too distracted or demoralized when the shorter term obstacles pop up as they always do. The goal isn't to solve the short term obstacles and problems. The goal is to solve some bigger picture question and persevere through the roadblocks that get in your way. Yeah, I completely agree. Perseverance is very important, especially um, in this time where a lot of people are facing different challenges, even in the academic sense, with classes being in a different format from what they're used to, or in the economic sense with lots of jobs. So along the same lines, how have you been adaptive and or creative in the field of science? Um, you work at one of the most prestigious schools uh, how have you been adaptive or creative? What project that you are currently work on, working on or have worked on 
um, what project would you say has been like the hallmark of your creativity, if you had to label one as such? Well, I'm, I'm so glad you asked this question about creativity because I, I think creativity is just at the heart of pretty much all great science, okay. uh, any aspect of science. And I think that um, concept of creativity <clears throat> comes as a surprise to many. I think many non-scientists think about science as, oh, you know, you must be really brilliant and um, or have kind of encyclopedic knowledge of scientific facts. And that's what they think science is, being a master of the universe of, you know, scientific details. And I suppose that stuff doesn't hurt, but it's certainly not enough. And so I think of what's most important in science is what you said, and that's creative thinking, thinking about a new approach to an old problem, for example, really trying to think in novel, out of the box uh, kind of ways. That's just super critical. And I think, you know, I maybe have an extreme view of this, but I think that scientists should be surrounding themselves with other creative people, non-scientists, artists, for example. So, you know, with that in mind, I helped start an artist in residence program at the Broad Institute, okay. where we bring in uh, every year one or two artists um, who are creative in their way. They're trying to look at the world through a new lens mm -hmm. in their way and in their own language. Um, and so we bring them in and have them hang out at the Broad Institute and talk to science scientists with the hope that that sort of creative thinking very indirectly will have a benefit on the creative thinking of scientists at the Broad. Okay, wow, that's commendable. So my question to you is along the same lines. So it's, all, it's quite clear that you have been successful in terms of in the additive process when it comes to research and projects in your lab. So how do you go about coming up with ideas for research? Do you like reference old literature and review the previous literature and get insight from the past? Having good friends, good family that they're, they'll tell you when you're, when you're out of line, when your mm -hmm. priorities aren't straight. And so having that support system has been huge for me. My family, my wife now, and all my great friends like you, David, just making sure that I'm, I'm kind of on the right path and, and going in the right direction. Yeah, man, you're a good friend of mine as well. And I think one of the things that complements uh, understanding balance is that balance is not, I've spoken to many people about, 30 different people about the same concept. Uh, balance is not, that doesn't make me an expert in it, by the way. It makes me someone who can discuss it. So balance is not a static uh, stance on instance. Balance is dynamic, just like resilience, just like mental health. All those things incorporate, you know, addressing the stresses that you face, finding a way to manage and adjust to them, and then proceeding forward with your life. So, you know, Frederick Flack said that the most encouraging observation I've made over the years is resilience or what you want, whatever you want to call it. Balance is a strength most of us can develop with thought and practice. So, you know, those things, um, of course, I summarize his words, but those things, they require thought, they require practice, and they require... Uh, progress through time. 
So it's not something that you achieve in one instant. So yeah, I agree with you. So I would say in many regards, you have been successful as a student in the field. What has complemented to your success thus far? And what do you think will complement to your success in medical school? Is it a personality thing? Is it a skill set thing? Is it a knowledge and acumen thing? What would you say is that factor? Of course, mm-hmm. both of you and I being people of faith, we attribute our success to uh, who we believe in. But um, what would you say is the factor when it comes to your practical, physical, day-to-day life as confidence to your success? Yeah, I think um, the personality I've been able to develop just from my life experiences, uh, being the youngest of, of three boys and then uh, being in athletics all growing up and then just the support system I have from my family, mm-hmm. um, all those things kind of mold, molded me into who I am today, someone who's you know, willing to take chances, willing to have those hard conversations and, and push through adversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just being able to, I think one thing that, that'll help me going forward, you know, there's a lot of people maybe that are in the sense of book smart, much smarter than I am. But I feel like with the experience I've had, the jobs I've been able to work, the shadowing opportunities I've had, I've been able to kind of witness and see what it takes to be successful in the field of medicine. And so all those different things I think have have set me up pretty well for uh, going forward in this field. So yeah, so another things that I've heard people mention um, as I've interviewed them is the use of Anki, the use of Sketchy, mm. the use of Picmonic. All those are platforms and software that allow for reinforcing your learning in medical school. So mm-hmm. how have you maintained vision and teamwork in your environment? While at Taylor and um, even in your personal life, how do you maintain vision and teamwork? I think kind of sometimes you have to really stop and and swallow your pride because being in being a good student and you know sometimes things do go your way and at those moments you can't let you can't get too proud and think that you can do this all on your own and I don't need God I don't need any other people around me I'm doing this all my own and whenever you start to teeter to the to that thought process I think it's when like I said before, you have a good support system that says, wait a second, you didn't get here all on your own. You know, you, you have a good support system with you and you don't want to ruin that. Um, and just making sure that you're, you're not too proud to ask for help sometimes. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like I heard, I was interviewing an administrator at Georgia Tech and he made the comment, his concern is not about being right. He just wants to make sure that he gets it right. You mm-hmm. want to make sure he's in the right position. He's achieved the right goal. He has got uh, achieved the thing that's needful at the time. So why did you choose biochemistry? Be more specific. Why did you choose biochemistry as a field to major in, Vincent? What complemented that decision for undergrad? I think for me, so it kind of starts back to when I was in high school. Okay. Really, I had a great chemistry teacher and really enjoyed learning about the sciences. And um, then... After that, I was able to shadow or I had an internship at a hospital my senior year of high school and kind of got to see the different parts of medicine. So I was thinking, you know, where, what can I do? Where can I go to integrate this chemistry, these sciences that I love so much, as well as the field of medicine that I love so much. And so then that's kind of when I settled on, on biochemistry 
chemistry as opposed to a biology major, which a lot of pre-med students are, mm -hmm. or just a chemistry straight up. So I really thought that by doing biochemistry, I could integrate those things that I love um, respectively and, and kind of go from there. Okay, that's good. So why medicine? I'm sure you got this question before, so I like to hear. Yeah. Asking, why is yeah, this so, medicine? Why medicine? I think uh, one of the the big things that kind of led me into medicine was just some experiences I had when I was younger. I was uh, able to see my my grandfather kind of go through the digression of uh, dementia when when I was probably eight or nine. And so that was kind of one of the first things that really interested me in medicine. Obviously at the time I was mourning and um, it wasn't easy for my family to, to watch that happen. But looking back on it, I think that's one thing that maybe even subconsciously really triggered me to have an inkling towards the field of medicine. And then, like I said, the, I knew I had a, a kind of an idea that I wanted to go into medicine. I thought maybe, in high school, maybe I'd go work in a lab, something to do with chemistry. And then I had that internship where I was able to, I was able to see, spend some time in the operating room and the emergency room, uh, radiology, all different aspects of the hospital. And at that point it kind of solidified, yeah, this is, this is something I'd like to do. I'd like to use what I know about chemistry and science and uh, use it in this field of medicine to then help people. Yeah, I agree. So what specialty is your, are you leaning towards? If you, had, if you were able to pick one today, you had finished medical school and you had developed our community with a skilled medical student that you will be, hopefully, mm -hmm. um, what specialty would you choose today? I'm just curious. Yeah, I think if I, if I had to choose something today, you know, I'm really open into whatever, when I go through my patients, sparks my interest. Mm -hmm. But if I had to pick something now, I think I would pick neurology Oh, yeah. Just on the fact that I really am infatuated with the brain and how complex it is and everything that's going on there. Um, I actually started out at Taylor with a psych minor, okay. but then dropped that because I wasn't able to. It was just going to be a, a workload I wasn't willing to commit to adding that minor. So then oh, I, yeah. but I did, I was able to take some psychology classes. And again, it just, blew my mind just the complexity of the human brain and um how there's so many things that we don't know about it and so many diseases that right now don't have any cures or anything like that and um i think it's a field that that is there's a high supply or high demand and i'm hoping i can um help with my future colleagues to meet that demand that's fair that's fair it's good that it worked out eh yeah, <laughs> work, work together for good. Romans 8 and 28. Yep. yep, but um, do you have any advice to those wanting to pursue the field that you're currently studying in? Or uh, I would that you're about to embark in and the, the field that you studied in. Yeah, yeah, I would say just get as much real world experience as possible, um, to really know because you, you don't know. You may have an idea you think oh yeah i like this this sounds interesting but until you really kind of get your hands dirty and, and have that experience for me it was like i, I interned at the hospital and then a couple years later i worked as a nursing assistant at that same hospital and so that aspect of it you know you see you're able to see the 
the almost the bottom of the totem pole in the medical field on your way to hopefully one day the top of the totem pole as a, as a doctor but really it's kind of wrong i guess i would say to see it as a totem pole i think it's a more um, progression a progression yeah it's it's people all working together you know you need everyone on board from the the nursing assistants all the way to the top physicians you need everybody on board thinking the same way using that teamwork to do what's ultimately best for the patient mm. and so then i did that in this past year or so i've been able to work at um, our county jail in the medical department and be able to have that experience. And I think all these different experiences and just being thrown into the into the fire um, in the medical field has really solidified my passion for medicine. And um, so I would say people coming in thinking they might want to do medicine, just put yourself in in the shoes of a medical professional and really give it a try. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So. Um... What has been some of the most beneficial advice that you have received? Some of the most beneficial advice you have received to date. I think that one thing for me, uh, I was able to shadow a doctor or a physician here and around my hometown. And what he said to me was that the, the process of um, taking the MCAT and preparing for medical school things like that. That's the hard part. Once you get in, you know, you're a good student. You're obviously a good student if you got in. So you can kind of breathe uh, or take a breath of relief when that happens. Um, So just making sure that you're not getting overwhelmed. You're not getting too anxious or worked up for the school. And just kind of, like I said before, taking it day by day. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's very good. Um, anyway, Vincent, thanks so much for joining me today. It was definitely a pleasure to have you on as a guest and a good friend of mine. Thanks for listening. We're glad you were able to tune into this podcast. Once again, this is The New Chemist, where we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as the other sciences, careers, community, research, and COVID-19. Thanks again for listening. Note, the views on this podcast represent those of my guests and I. Vision and teamwork in your environment. What has been the, how have you done that? Yeah. So I, again, I, I think um, the key to teamwork, I think, is having a goal that everyone is excited about. Okay. Um, feels like there's common cause.